Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host. This is episode 15 of season four. This episode's entitled, How to Create Your Reality. How to Create Your Reality. Sounds kind of like a, sounds kind of strange, don't it? But it goes to this question. How many of you are chasing your best version of yourself or trying to reinvent yourself, trying to become that person that you're not right now, but long to be, and yet you find yourself struggling with that? Well, here's a question. That version that you're chasing, through which lens are you looking? In other words, if you look through the long, wrong lens, you could actually get a distorted view of who you're supposed to be. So let's take a look and see how that's possible and what we can do to come into the correct reality. Okay, so here's a question. When I ask through what lens are you looking, are you looking through your own lens when it comes to seeing your best version, or are you looking through someone else's lens? Because if you're looking through someone else's lens, chances are that that's a distorted lens. And here's what I mean by that. You've probably had people, or, or a lot of us have, maybe you have too, where people said, I see you as being this type of person. This is what I think you should be doing. And then we find ourselves starting to look through that lens instead of our own or a different lens that we might ought to look into, which we'll get into that in a minute. So we start looking through someone else's lens, and the next thing you know, we're trying to live up to their expectation. And the sad part with that is often, in fact, more often than not, we start becoming a version of ourselves that isn't really us. It's just something that they transform, transposed upon us that doesn't belong to us. And so we actually find ourselves living under some sort of bondage, living up to someone else's expectations. And then on top of that, we start looking for affirmation from that person, and then they really have gained control of your life. Not that they necessarily are being you know, diabolical about it. It's not necessarily that they're setting out to control your life, at least you know, consciously. But there is a place where they can subconsciously control your life just by the little things they say. So that's where you have to stop and say, okay, now the, the, this version that I'm chasing after, is it really one that is true to myself or is this someone else's version that they see? So we got to be careful about that. And in a moment, we'll see what happens when we allow someone else to interfere with that version. A big thing that's important is always to go to the designer, go to our creator. What did... What or who did he create you to be? He has the blueprint for your life, if you will. So he would be the one to talk to and ask him for the correct lens through which to look, because this is going to be pure. So let's just a real quick glance at something. In other words, what was God's intended reality for you? Or what's his intended reality for you? Here it is. We go to Genesis 1. This is our first clue. Genesis 1 verse 26 through 27, and feel free to follow along with your Bible or go ahead and put it on pause and go get it if you don't have it already. Okay, Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27. And God said, let us make man in our image after the likeness, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So there's the obvious. We are created in God's image and we are to fit into that image. So 
What does that look like? And of course, if we read in Romans 8, 29, again, we find this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the first firstborn amongst many brethren. So obviously, we are created to be in the image of Jesus Christ. That is, that right there is actually our best, our best version of ourselves. So how do we obtain that? Can we obtain that? Or perhaps... That's something different altogether. We'll check that out in a little bit. So how can you distort reality? How can you distort reality? Remember this. Let's, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 gives us a little clue. It says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even, as I, even also as I am known. So right now we see through a glass or see through a mirror dimly. We don't have a clear vision of who we're supposed to be. We don't have a clear vision of everything spiritual, right? But the time is coming when we will. So that is important to realize, is that we ourselves as human beings are not going to have a true vision of our best version. And here's what happens when someone else interferes with that version. And again, we're going back to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to go from verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made, Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. As he did eat, and as he did eat, and the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So obviously, the serpent, the devil, Satan, decided to interfere with God's design for Adam and Eve, right? He interfered. How did he do that? He did that by questioning. He did that by talking and, and trying to allure them away from God's original design. So what did he do? He lied to them. He said, God knew that if you, if you partake of this fruit, you're going to become as God. So it's like already he's trying to chase their course trajectory by simply lying to them, by misguiding them. And that's what happens sometimes when we try to look through someone else's lens. Now, I'm not saying that those that are trying to maybe influence you to go a certain way or being diabolical here. I'm not saying they're trying to make you fall or even control your life for that matter. You know, they might actually have your best interest at heart. But again, if, they're, if their view isn't lining up with the Word of God, it might take you off course. And the same thing we need to realize too is that sometimes the enemy will lie to us. And I don't give a whole lot of credence to the enemy. I don't talk a whole lot about him because God has empowered us and he's stripped the devil of his power. So the only thing he has 
mostly to work against us is our minds. In other words, he's very suggestive. And so he will try to suggest things to us to get us to think that we aren't being our best version or we will never be the best version. Or how about this one? You will never be the best Christian you can be. You've got to become a better Christian. Is there such thing as a better Christian? There isn't. Have you ever found yourself saying that, I want to be a better Christian? There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Our righteousness is strictly in Jesus Christ, period, end of the story. Because it's what he does, it's what he did that makes us right before the Father so that we can enjoy that relationship with him. Now we look in Romans 5 verse 12 where it says, Whereof, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Okay, so we know when Adam went off the path, it affected everyone else from that state, from that day forward. In other words, everyone else now became, had, uh, had come in and, uh, sorry about that. Everyone has come into a sinful nature. You know, now they are in the image of God, but now it's deformed, if you will. But of course, God had a plan for this. Now, here's something that's really important to, to grasp, take a hold of, right? Because there's a lot of things out there that sounds good. As a friend of mine would say to me often, that sounds really good until you think about it. And I thought, that's an awesome say. That's awesome. You know, it sounds good until you stop and think about it. So this is Proverbs 14, 12, where it says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We'll say that again. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So that's where we need to step back. You know, it gets back to that, am I leaning on my own understanding gig? You know, because when you start to lean on our own understanding and we begin to think more highly of our thoughts, it can be kind of a slippery slope sometimes. Not saying necessarily that what you think is wrong or bad, but the thing is, is sometimes we can start be, go down this slope that's a bit on the prideful side, and then we stop listening to other voices, or more specifically, the voice of the Lord. How can you come into his reality? How can you come into his reality? I'll say it at the very forefront, believe him. Believe what he said. Start there. That's how you come into his reality. The minute you deviate from what he has said, you're going to veer off from your best version of yourself. We already saw that again, and that's why I used the garden or the example in the garden is because that it, when you start to question what the Lord says, it takes you into other places that you shouldn't go into, right? So the first place is believe God, believe what he says, trust him. If you look at Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 10, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, underscore that, for his great love wherewith he loved us, and let me stop there just a moment, understand this about God. Many of you know this already, but it still bears repeating. God's love is the type of love that you cannot earn. There's nothing you can do that's going to make him love you ever any more than he does already, nor is there anything you're going to do that's going to make him love you any less. 
And that's the, that's the thing about God. God is constant. He's consistent. He doesn't change. His love doesn't change because he doesn't change. Even when we are dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Or we are what? We are his masterpiece. Now let me ask you this question. This same phrase is said twice, for by grace you're saved. What's that mean? It's by God's favor, by his grace, and grace endows us with the ability to do the things that we cannot do on our own. The thing is, is that you are already created unto good works through Jesus Christ. So what's that mean? That means there's nothing you can do to become better. Let me say that again. There's nothing you can do to become better. What it really boils down to is believing what God has already done in you. So the more you believe and submit to him and allow him to live in you, you'll be who you need to be. The idea now is start to rest in the relationship. So let's go on just a little bit. Now this next verse is very important. 1 John 4 verse 16. 1 John 4 verse 16. And we have known and believed the love, of, the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Underscore this, and we have known and believed the love God has to us. God is love. See, love is God's very nature. It is that nature that is totally unbeatable. You can't beat love any more than darkness can beat light. Because all that darkness is, is the absence of light. But when light shows up, there's no such thing as a darkness. When love shows up, there's no such thing as hate. You have to learn how to hate, right? Love is powerful. It's the most powerful force there is, right? Because it's God. So why is that important? Well, for one thing, and, I've, and I've, for some of you, you've heard me say this numerous times. But if you have a hard time believing God actually loves you, you're going to have a hard time believing he's got your best interest at heart. So then when someone says, you know what, it's nothing you can do to improve that relationship as far as or improve who you are, it's to simply believe in. It's going to be hard for you to do that because, again, if you don't believe God loves you, you're going to have a difficult time receiving anything from him, even though he's given you everything you need, which we're going to read here in just a minute. But this leads me to Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Who's doing the work here? Listen, again. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So who began a good work in you? God, Right? Through Jesus Christ, for by grace you are saved, through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that is the other element. Here's the thing that where Satan slipped in or crept in with Eve. Pride, the pride of life. You know, the things of the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
The moment pride enters in and we become self-centered, love vacates the premises. Let me say that again. The minute we become self-centered, love vacates the premises because now we've lost sight of being loving versus trying to get love. And let me go somewhere with this a little bit. And this is why, again, it's important for you to realize that God loves you. And along with that, that you love yourself the way God loves you. In other words, you shouldn't have to be able to earn your own love, if you will. No one should have to earn your love, because if they do, that's not love. But rather, it's important that you love yourself the way God loves you so that you can love others freely. Because once you know that you are freely loved, you will not look for affirmation from others. You won't become needy. You won't be trying to live up to some expectation so people will love you. In other words, your motivation is going to be skewed if you don't walk in love. If you're not walking in love, your motivation will not be pure. Ultimately, you're doing things for yourself. And here's what I mean by that. I can, for example, do something for somebody because I want the thank you from that person. I want the appreciation. I want to be liked. So who did I do it for? For that person or did I do it for myself? But if I am freely giving to someone else, their thank you is not necessary. I mean, I, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a thank you, but at the same time, that should never be our motivation. We shouldn't need a thank you to do an act of kindness, to be able to you know, have someone's back or whatever you want to say. We don't need a thank you to do the things of the Lord. That's when you know you're walking in love, is if you're doing something from a pure heart where you don't require a return on your investment, as it were, then you know that you're stepping in the right direction. If we deviate from our nature, which is the image of God, God is love. That means we are love, right? That is our best version of ourself, is when we are love as he is love, when we are walking in love, that's your best version. It's not about you know, how strong you are, how fast you are, how smart, how smart you are, what you achieve, how rich you are, how poor you are, whatever. None of that matters. It's irrelevant because none of that stuff has any eternal value on the long run. How you affected other people is going to matter more than the things that you achieve. Achievement does not equate greatness. Although great people, well, let me rephrase. I'll be careful how I say that. When you're walking in the Lord in obedience to Him, and allowing Holy Spirit to work through you, you will achieve great things. But it will not be for greatness sakes. It won't be for the accolades. It'll be for love. It'll be for love. Now, check this out. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many are led, of, are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me, say, let me read that again. Romans 8, 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let that sink in. Our best version submits to Holy Spirit. Because when we're submitted to Holy Spirit, He can flow through us, which includes the full fruit of the Spirit. Now look at verse 15 and through 16, still in Romans 8. Verse 15 and 16. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. His Spirit will bear witness that we are His. We don't need someone's affirmation. We don't need someone to tell us that I belong to God, right? When you have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you don't need anyone to tell you that you are a godly man or a godly woman or whatever. 
In fact, these titles mean nothing to you anymore. When you're walking in love, you don't care about titles. You don't care about having a ministry. You don't care if you're called apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, elder, deacon, or whatever. You don't care about those titles. They're meaningless. Those are just things that the Lord has put into the body of Christ to help edify the body. So how do we edify the body? We do it in love. Again, your best version is going to be submission to Holy Spirit. Your best version is going to do things out of love. That's going to be your best version. Check this out. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See that? God has given you everything you need to be a partaker of His divine nature. So it's not a question of you working up to be a godly person or a better Christian or a better version of yourself. What it really, what it really comes down to is this, and this is something I suggest a lot of times to people. Ask God to show you how He sees you in Christ Jesus and then believe Him. It's just simply being who God says you are. That will be your best version. Once you're just walking in love and walking in love with Him, He'll take care of all those other idiosyncrasies that seem to get in the way of the relationship. And there's a process that the Lord takes us through to bring us up into a closer relationship with Him that helps us to manifest His glory more so, but it really comes down to more of a submission to Holy Spirit, a submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and believe in what the Lord has said. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 17. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth live on, uh, not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Let me reread that last part again. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, Pay attention to that verse. We're going we're gonna to come back to that. That's an important verse to underscore. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. Look. You cannot define yourself by your past. I mean, by now, many of you have heard this. You know, really, you have to let God define you, not your past. Let God define you, not your past. Because if you, again, the minute you believe you are who you once were, you're living a lie. Right? Think about this. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I 
but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So if I am crucified, what's that mean? That means the old nature, the old self is dead. It's no more. It doesn't exist. I'm not that person anymore. You're not that person anymore. And if you're one of those that are struggling with who you once were, let them go. Let them die. You know, crucifixion means death, right? Let them go. It says that we're to put on the new nature, just like in Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new man created in righteousness and in true holiness. Did you check that out? You have a new man who lives in you. You are a new person. That means you are created in righteousness and true holiness. There's nothing you can do to become more righteous or holy. You just are in Jesus Christ. Now look at verses 18 through 21. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, to which, listen to this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Before I go on, let me underscore that one. When God was reconciling you to himself, he was no longer holding you accountable for what you've done in your past. He was no longer holding you accountable for your sins. And this is another part of being our best version. We've got to do the same thing with other people. We cannot hold them accountable for their sins. That's not our job. Our job is to love them well so that we can see them reconciled unto God. That's our job, right? To share, to share the good news, to share the gospel that says you don't have to be stuck in your sin. You know, we're not saying they don't have sin. We're not saying we ignore it. But it's not our job to judge them for it. We can't judge other people for their stuff. Because God was in Jesus reconciling you to himself, not holding your stuff against you. And that's where we've got to be. It's just like Jesus said, If you will not forgive others, then you will not be forgiven. And that is simply because God forgave you. So justice would be this. God gave you forgiveness, therefore you give others forgiveness. And this goes back to love again, because love covers a multitude of sins. Love is not easily offended. Love does not demand its own thing, right? Now, going on to verse, going on uh, in, in this verse, uh, I believe we're 2021, it says this, Now, then we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Here's, here's an exhortation. Be reconciled to God now. Look, what's done is done. Don't hold yourself back from a relationship with God. There's a few of you I'm talking to right now that you need to know that God is waiting on you. He loves you. There's nothing to keep you from him. The only thing that would keep you from him is your own um, lack of forgiveness, where you're not forgiving yourself. But see, then that gets back to the belief thing. Do you believe God forgave you through Jesus Christ? If you did, then it's time to let things go and be reconciled to him because that's really doing things his way. That's how you do it. That's becoming your best version. Finally, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So there we have it. In Jesus Christ, we are the righteousness of God. So you don't have to try to be righteous. You don't have to have some idea in your head what it means to walk righteously. It's just simply understanding that in Jesus Christ, 
you are righteous, and in Jesus Christ, you are your best version. Once you believe what God says, all the behaviors, all the habits, all those things start to make a dramatic change. Next thing you know, you're finding yourself not getting frustrated when you used to get frustrated with things, as an example. Or you may be not so apt to be critical of others. You're finding yourself a much more patient with others patient with others rather you're walking in love because of the new nature that's in you because Jesus Christ dwells in you think about this back in John 17 Jesus said that the love that I have I give them so in other words when you receive Jesus Christ received Holy Spirit you actually received his love so you have the love of God in you that means you have unconditional love in you that cannot be earned that means you can love other people unconditionally so they can receive the love of God through you. That's your best version. That's your best version. That is how you create your reality. Submit to him and believe what the Lord says about you already and walk in love. So with that, we're going to close it up. Be blessed, my friend.